welcome to the weekly podcast of Covenant Grace Menifee. Each week, we gather to better understand the teachings of the Bible and how to live them out in our daily lives. We hope and pray that you're encouraged by this week's message. Psalm 19, verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, there are no, uh, nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. There is nothing hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant uh, is your servant warned. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. Keep back your servants also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, blameless and innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. This is the word of the Lord. Let me pray for us and then we'll, we'll jump in. Um, Father, we are just so thankful uh, to be here this morning. And as we come here this morning, Lord, we do... I uh, just want to acknowledge that uh, we, have, uh, we have sinned before you, Lord. Um, we have uh, uh, ignored you in so many ways, uh, Lord. We have uh, not, not worshipped you in the way um, that you have created us to. And so we come here confessing sin, but also knowing, um, Lord, that you have uh, you have provided a way for us to be forgiven through your son, Jesus. And so, though we acknowledge our sin, Lord, we also um, acknowledge our Savior. Um, and we know um, that it is through him that we are able to come here this morning and worship you. And I just pray this morning, Lord, that you would uh, bring your spirit upon us, Lord. Uh, that the words that I speak would be words from you, and that as, um, as your word is opened up, our eyes um, would see you more clearly, and our hearts uh, would worship, want to worship you more fully. Let me pray this in your son's name. Amen. So, we have been going through a series. Uh, did you guys know that? <laughs> I knew that. You knew that. Um, we're going through a series, and there's actually a card on your, uh, on your chairs for you to keep or for you to give to somebody. Um, it's called A Clear Vision of the Almighty, Biblical Doctrine for Knowing God. And so that's what we're going to be continuing uh, this morning. We're going to continue with that series. And this morning, 
we are going to be looking at uh, knowing God through the world and through the word. So in, 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 in doctrinese, in the language of doctrine, this would be called general revelation and special revelation. And so the, the uh, passage that we just read, the psalm that we just read, Psalm 19, is a great passage that shows about half of the psalm is God's general revelation through the world and the other, end, uh, the other end of the psalm, that other half of the psalm, is praising God for his special revelation. So his, his revelation to us through his word. So we're going to be looking at that through, through the world and through the word. And um, I'm just coming back uh, this week. You know, it was a, a holiday week. We, I uh, was able to road trip with the family. And it was a blast. We went up to Mammoth Mountain. Have you guys been there? Mammoth. And then we went through Yosemite. And um, oh, just... Just a crazy beautiful part of the country, right? I mean, part of the world, really. People, there were, uh, people were coming from all over the world. Um, we saw all kinds of international travelers there. And uh, it still has, there's still a ton of snow. <laughs> there, there were people skiing, so there's these beautiful snow-covered mountains still. There's these crystal clear lakes that we were able to, to uh, swim in, these vast mountain forests, these just massive cascading waterfalls. I think there was some extra water there from all the rain and snowfall that we got this year. Um, wildlife, we saw deer, we saw bears. We saw bears, it was crazy. Um, and in the middle of all of this beauty, um, I, did the t- I, I kept having to do the typical dad thing. What's the typical dad thing when you're on a road trip like this? Hey kids. Pause, pause, the, pause the game, pause the video. Hey, take a look around. You know, like, look at this beauty. Look at what's going on. And, and I do that um, because I want the kids to a- admire and, and really uh, love uh, the, the beauty that they see in nature around them. But ultimately, I want them to see the God behind all of that beauty in nature, right? And I think that's part of what I want to do this morning is... Um, uh, be play the dad for you all, and just for a minute, put hit that pause button on life, and I want us to look at the beauty and wonder of God in both nature and in Scripture, um, because that's really what this psalm, this song, really is highlighting. It's highlighting who God is revealed through nature and revealed through Scripture, and so that's what we're going to look at. We're we're going to um, look at general and special revelation. That is, what are the ways in which God reveals himself or makes himself known? And really, um, we're going to look at Psalm 19. We're going to kind of dig into Psalm 19, but we're going to go, we're going to be moving around a little bit too. And uh, we're going to be looking at three things. Um, so the first thing is God reveals himself through the world. And that's what the first six verses are here in Psalm 19. And if you would like, I know it actually took me a long time to get over this, um, but it's okay. you can write in these things. Um, yeah, like, it's fine, you know, it's, it's, uh, you, you don't, like, damage them or, or uh, you know, I, I don't know, you may damage them, but uh, you can write in these things, you, you don't, like, um, um, you, you know, curse these things or anything or, by, by writing at them. And so what I did is I actually uh, kind of bracketed the first six verses here in Psalm 19, and I wrote down general revelation. Or you could even write down uh, the book of nature, uh, you know, if, you, if you'd like to. And then I bracketed the rest of the verses, 7 through 14. And I just wrote special revelation. So this is God revealing himself in the word or the book of scripture. Um, and so, yeah, if you, if you want to do that, you can write that. That's basically going to be our outline for this morning. Um, so first, God reveals himself through the world. That'll be verses 1 through 6. 
And then God reveals himself through his word. And that'll be, we'll take a look at verses 7 through 14. And then finally, we'll finish off with God reveals himself through the living word entering the world. So we're going to kind of bring those, those two ideas together. Um, so God reveals himself through the world. God reveals himself through his word. And God reveals himself through the living word entering the world. So take a look again at uh, Psalm 19. Verse 1 says, The heavens declare the glory of God. The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Verse 2 says, Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals uh, night to night reveals knowledge. Um, so as we look at that, um, I, I, I kind of dug into those words, and you can, you can see them right there. You don't need to, to look at the Hebrew or anything in this. You can see them right there. The, the, the main verbs in these two verses are all, so it's declare, proclaims, pours out speech, reveals knowledge. Um, these, these verbs aren't all, um, when we, we read them, it doesn't look, it, it seems at first glance that they're all synonyms, like some kind of speaking. Um, but when you dig a little bit deeper, um, they're actually, uh, there's two ideas here. There's two ideas being, um, uh, being communicated. Uh, one is that uh, it, it gives a sense of the universe keeping a record of the glory of God. So there's this record keeping and proclamation. Um, it's almost like, it would be almost like a scoreboard, you know, if you're a, if you're a sports fan. It's almost like a, 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 a scoreboard where not only is the score broadcast, but it's always, it's always kept track of. And so that's kind of what the, the sense that we get from these two um, passages is that when we look at the universe, it keeps track of everything that God is doing and then shines it forth um, for us to glorify him. And I think we've all experienced that, right? Haven't you experienced that? Haven't you experienced, you know, maybe it's going to a place like Yosemite, or maybe it's um, just kind of staring out over this vast ocean, being on a beach, um, watching the sunset, uh, looking through a telescope for some of us. Looking at, have you ever looked at the moon or uh, looked at, you know, at the Milky Way through, through a telescope? You get the sense that there is, uh, that, that, uh, there is something much bigger behind the scene that you're looking at. Um, a few years back, uh, I read a book. It was called uh, Dark Matter and the Dinosaurs. I understood very little of it, but it was, it was really fun. Um, it was a really, uh, you know, I, I would recommend it for any, anybody that's a big science geek. Um, but it was written by a um, theoretical physicist. She's not a Christian, um, but she says this in the beginning of the book, and I thought it was really telling. Um, it, she said, when I started concentrating on the concepts underlying the ideas in this book, I was awestruck and enchanted not only by our current knowledge of the environment, the local, solar, galactic, and universe, but also how much we ultimately hope to understand from our random tiny perch here on Earth. I, was also, uh, uh, I also was overwhelmed by the many connections among the phenomena that ultimately allow us to exist. To be clear, mine is not a religious viewpoint. I don't feel the need to assign a purpose uh, or meaning, yet I can't help but feel the emotions we tend to call religious as we come to understand the immensity of the universe, our past, and how it all fits together. 
It offers anyone some perspective when dealing with the foolishness of everyday life. Did you catch that? Basically, she's saying, I'm not religious at all, but I can't help but feel religious when I consider the universe. And that's what the psalmist is getting here, uh, right here in Psalm 19. That's what David's getting at, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. Um, one, one theologian uh, describes, and, and this is really, this is what general revelation is. This is what it does. It, it opens everybody. It doesn't matter if you're a Christian or a non-Christian. It opens everybody, everyone's mind up to the possibility that there is a God, that God, in fact, does exist. Um, one theologian describes general revelation this way. He says, uh, the knowledge of God's existence, character, and moral law, which comes through creation to all humanity, through observing nature, through seeing God's directing influence in history, and through an inner sense of God's existence and his laws that he has in every person. Um, Immanuel Kant, who's a, a 18th century uh, German philosopher, he puts it this way, I love this, he says, two things fill the mind with ever new and increasing admiration and awe, the more often and steadily we reflect upon them, the starry heavens above me and the moral law within me. Um, so he really got it, that's it, that's general revelation. Um, and theologians throughout the centuries have, have explained um, God revealing himself in this way, in, uh, through, through what they call the book of nature. So the book of nature and the book of scripture. Um, and this general revelation, this first part of the psalm, is, is the book of nature. It's how God is revealed. Um, we're kind of uh, going through uh, and, and loosely um, following along with the Belgic Confession in this series, and it puts it beautifully this way. It summarizes it. It says, uh, the means by which we know God. We know God by two means. First, by the creation, preservation, and government of the universe, since the universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters to make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power and divinity. As the Apostle Paul says in Romans 1.20, all these things are enough to convict humans and to leave them without excuse. And because uh, the heavens declare the glory of God, we know that God exists just by observing nature, right? And so how so? Um, well, uh, if, if you dig in, even if you dig into, you know, you don't just have to go out to the, to the starry night. Even if you dig into modern science, um, it, actually, uh, it, it actually declares the glory of God, too. Um, so the nature of God in creation and scripture agrees with what's currently understood about the universe. Did you know that? So I'm going to get into some science here because I'm a science teacher. That's what I do. Um, Eric knew what he was getting into when he asked me to do this week. So... Um, so it was only in 1927, so not that long ago, that uh, the idea of a, a Big Bang um, was really uh, put forward, and there was actually evidence gathered for it. Before that, um, people thought, well, maybe the, maybe the universe is eternal. I don't need to believe in an eternal God because we have an eternal universe. Um, but now we know that at some point in history, there was nothing, and then at some point in history, I guess that would be before history, right? At some point in history, there was something. Um, this universe that we observe right now is vast and it's expanding. And this idea, what's really cool about this idea, was actually discovered by a, um, where am I in, in my notes? I, a Belgian priest. 
1927, he found the first um, evidence that the universe is in fact expanding. And if it's expanding, it means at one point it was all um, in one uh, tiny speck. And so um, when you look also at, at just the nature of our universe, there are actually 15 different physical constants. It's kind of like, it's kind of like somebody had to turn the knobs on our universe to get it just right um, to support life, um, to make it a place where uh, humans could live. And um, Francis Collins, he is, uh, he's, uh, you guys have sports heroes, I have science heroes. He's one, <laughs> I know, I know. You're like LeBron, I'm like, oh, but what about Francis Collins? Um, he is the uh, director of the National Institutes of Health right now. He finished the Human Genome Project a few years back. Uh, actually, it's been a while now. Um, but uh, he wrote in, in a book of his, he said this list, he's talking about these 15 knobs, these 15 dials. He says, this list of finely tuned constants includes the speed of light, the strength of weak and strong, nuclear forces, electromagnetism, the force of gravity. The chance that all of these constants would take on the values necessary to result in a stable universe capable of sustaining complex life forms is almost infinitesimal. And yet those are the exact parameters we observe. In sum, our universe is wildly improbable. Our universe is uniquely tuned to give rise to humans. And even Stephen Hawking, who's uh, not a Christian, in fact, he writes books so that people don't have to believe in God. Um, he even wrote in one of his books, he says, the odds against the universe like, our emer uh, like ours emerging out of something like the Big Bang are enormous. I think there are clearly religious implications. It would be difficult to explain why the universe should have begun in just this way, except the act of a God who intended to create beings like us. You know, but then, of course, in that same book, he goes on to explain, you know, why you, you, you don't need. Um, it, it could have happened without God. But Stephen, Stephen, Stephen. You know, the heavens declare the glory of God, right? The sky above proclaims his handiwork. Um, and this is why, this is one of the reasons why I think this, I mean, doing something like this family hike in two weeks would be such a great way, dads, for you to bring your kids out into nature and have them experience this, uh, this book of nature that reveals God. Um, it would be good for you yourself, even if you don't have kids, right? Um, sorry, one more quote. Because you're like, I'm done with quotes. Oh, this one's great. This is another non-Christian astronomer. Um, he says, uh, basically, at this moment, he's talking about what we know about science at this moment. At this moment, it seems as though science will never be able to raise the curtain on the mystery of creation for the scientist who has lived by his faith uh, in the power of reason. The story ends like a bad dream. He has scaled the mountains of ignorance. He is about to conquer its highest peak, and as he pulls himself over the final rock, he is greeted by a band of theologians that have been sitting there for centuries, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. They knew it all along. And so God reveals him through this, uh, God reveals himself through this book of nature. Um, and uh, again, I would really uh, encourage you to get out into that book of nature. Um, but don't stop there, right? Don't stop there. Um, the, the passage goes on, the message goes on. The heavens declare the glory of God to all people, um, and as incredible as this general revelation is um, in revealing the existence of God, there is a dark side. 
there is some fine print. Um, because you might think, well, you know, if the heavens declare the glory of God, why do I need to? Um, and and it, the, the dark side, the fine print of this general revelation is that it only reveals enough about God to convict a person, to condemn a person, but not to save a person. Um, Romans, 8, or sorry, Romans 1.18 is really clear with that. Um, it says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. Um, very scary words right there. Um, so in order, to know, uh, in order to know God personally, in a saving way, he must reveal himself, not through the book of nature, but through the book of scripture. And um, that's the second thing that we want to look at. God reveals himself through the word. So this is verses 7 through 14 are, are beautiful. Um, remember the first half, 1 through 6, was just about general revelation. The second half is about God's um, book of scripture, his, his special revelation. Um, and it says, uh, it says, the law of the Lord is, Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoice in the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The uh, rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. Get, I love this. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter also than uh, honey and the drippings of honeycomb. Love it, love it, love it, right? And all those, all those words there, the law, the testimony, the precepts, the commandment, the fear, the rules, um, those are all synonyms for, for the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord. And um, before we dive into those, I, want, I do want to dive into those, but before we dive into those, um, I, I want to talk, since this is a doctrine series, I want to talk a little bit about... A, little bit of doctrine with you, and I want to answer some objections, because some of you may be thinking here, or you may have, you know, friends and family who think, I don't know about this book, right? Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure the book has great things to say about itself, <laughs> but how can we trust this thing? Why should we trust this thing? You know, I've heard some things um, about the Bible, and I want to kind of um, answer some of those objections and, and uh, put, put some of those to rest. Um, you know, the first thing that you may have heard is uh, that the stories in the Bible seem like fairy tales or legends. Have you heard that? Have, maybe even you, you've thought that yourself. Maybe you're reading through the Bible. I know a lot of us are reading through uh, the, the Bible this year in a Bible reading plan, and you get to some of the things, and you go, okay, I believe, but that one's tough. <laughs> you know, like, that's a, little, that's a little out there. What do I do with that? What do I do with things like that? And there are, the first thing to know is that there are definitely supernatural elements in this book. Okay? There are supernatural elements. If you don't believe in the supernatural, you're going to have a really hard time with these things. Um, but, uh, you know, then, then we could go down a whole other uh, discussion about why, why you don't accept anything supernatural. Um, but there are definitely supernatural elements in the Old and New Testament, but they don't have the same hallmarks as ancient myths or legends, okay? Um, for, the first thing is a lot of, uh, especially in the New Testament, a lot of these are written like histories. If you look at the beginning of the book of Acts, 
It's written, um, it, the, the introduction explains it as a carefully researched history. Um, the other thing is that these uh, books were written very close to uh, the time of the events. Um, so the, uh, the, the eyewitnesses would be still alive, um, and that's why a lot of the elements in the New Testament, if you read it, um, you'll get a lot of uh, specific names, uh, people that only show up once, uh, and, and that's probably because those people were still alive. And if you had questions about more questions about that event, you could go, you could go ask them. It's the same reason why uh, I announced Val's name in the announcements. I'm like, hey, if you want more information, you can go talk to Val. Um, so these were written anywhere from uh, 20 to 60 years after the events, um, while the eyewitnesses were still alive. So it doesn't have the hallmark at all of, of an ancient myth um, or legend. Um, another thing that you might have heard or, or you might have thought yourself um, the Bible was written so long ago. How can we know that our Bible today is the same as the one the authors originally wrote? And there's this really cool uh, question that I, 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 um, that, that's posed by Josh McDowell. He says, okay, if we were to stack up all the ancient manuscripts um, of the Bible, of Scripture, and compared those to all the other ancient manuscripts I've had, or we have, um, you know, some of these that you've written in, uh, or, or that you've read in school, um, things like from Plato or, or Aristotle or Homer, um, how high do you think that stack would be? Okay. Yeah, well, yeah, let's, 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 okay. So, I don't know. I actually didn't know this. This is brand new to me. All right, so we have um, 5,800 Greek New Testament manuscripts. Um, which would total more than 2.6 million pages. And that's just the New Testament. If we were to combine the Old and New Testament, we'd have more than 66,000 manuscripts and scrolls. And um, that equates to about one mile of stacked New Testament manuscripts that we have. About a mile. If we include the whole Bible, we have about two and a half miles. Okay, so this is not just like a few scraps of paper that we've put together um, in, in history. We've got a lot of them. Okay, now uh, take your average classical writer. So your Plato, your Homer, um, your Sophocles. Uh, how high? How high do their, their their stacks get? Yeah, the average is four feet. Four feet. So um, not not quite as tall as me, right? Four feet. So uh, we, we trust Homer, we trust Plato. You know, we don't go back and question like, ah, I, don't know if, I don't know if what we got from Plato is what he originally wrote, right? And yet we have so much more of the New and Old Testament. It's crazy, it's crazy. Another, um, and, and the fact that we have so many copies is also another uh, great answer to the question of, well, you know, what if it got, did it get changed along the way? And from very early on, these manuscripts were so widely distributed that there's no way it could have gotten changed because people would notice, right? People would say, hey, wait, the, the Book of Mark copy that you gave me, buddy, does not match all these other copies that I, that I know about. And so it's, it's a great way to know, um, just to have the confidence um, that the Bible is, is the way that it, it was meant to be. Um, another objection that you might hear, uh, that you, might hear or you, you have even had yourself, um, maybe you've picked up a, a Bible that is um, uh, you know, uh, more Catholic. So a Catholic Bible, a Roman Catholic Bible, is gonna have some books that uh, is not included in, the, um, in Protestant Bibles. Um, and you might think, well, you know, there's so many books that didn't make the cut. Or you may hear about these crazy books called uh, you know, the Gospel of Thomas or the Gospel of Mary. Um, what about those? 
And um, the books that we have in your Bible are the, mo- the earliest, um, they're the, uh, the most, these are the ones that were widely distributed. Um, they're the most historical, they're the most internally consistent. And so one theologian concludes, and I love this, we can, we can rest our confidence in the faithfulness of God our Father, ultimately, right? Who would not lead his people for nearly 2,000 years to trust as his word something that is not. Amen? Right? And we find our confidence repeatedly confirmed by both historical investigation and the work of the Holy Spirit in enabling us to hear God's voice in a unique way as we read from every one of the 66 books in our present canon of Scripture. Amen? Have you, you, you read it and you just know. You read it and you just know. But if you have other questions, objections, uh, this is just a couple. Um, I would really encourage you, there are good answers to every question that you have. Um, you will never have a question that nobody's had before. Um, trust me on that one. And there are really good answers, and we can help you find those if you're having a hard time. Well, what does the Bible say about itself? So look back at Psalm 19. Um, look, at, look at these words that describe the Bible. So in verse 7, um, the Bible is the Bible's perfect in verse 7. The Bible is sure. The Bible is right. In verse 8, look at verse 8 again. The Bible is pure. Um, verse 9, the Bible is clean. Verse 9, enduring. It's true. Verse 9, uh, the Bible's righteous. In verse 10, the, the Bible is desirous, right? It's to be desired. And then in, in verse 10 also, it says the Bible is sweet. So look at all these adjectives describing um, what the Bible is. Uh, it, it makes you want to read it, doesn't it? <laughs> it makes you want to dig in. Um, and then look at, look at what the Bible does. Look at what the Bible does. Back in verse 7, it says the Bible revives the soul. Have you experienced that? Have you gotten into the Bible when you're, at a time when, you're, when your soul was crushed? when your soul was burdened, when your soul was heavy, um, and it revives your tired soul. Um, Look at verse 7. It says, the Bible makes wise. Um, So uh, wisdom is just the ability to know the right thing to do and then to do it. Um, And this is something that the Bible does. The Bible turns the simplest believer into the wisest saint. Um, I have experienced this myself. I have experienced this myself. I know that, um, you know, at times when uh, it's diff- when I'm, I'm trying to make difficult decisions. Um, something will pop up that I've read before. Sometimes I don't know where it is. Where have I read that? But then I'll, I'll search it out and I'll, I'll uh, remember um, just what, uh, what, what the Bible teaches about those things. Um, the Bible rejoices the heart, verse 8. Look at, look at that. The Bible rejoices the heart. Um, I will tell you the deepest, most profound joy that you or I have felt um, that we've experienced has come from the word. Amen? It's not the, you know, it's not the fleeting, like, happiness of, you know, when things happen to go right or we get lucky in life. It's this deep, profound joy um, that we experience when we're in the word. It also enlightens the eyes. It enlightens the eyes. That's what I pray for uh, every morning when we come here. I pray that somehow God would speak in a way that our eyes are opened, right? That we are enlightened to the truth of his word. Um, verse 11, it warns of danger and it rewards the faithful. How, how many of you have been warned of danger 
uh, in Scripture, by, someone's, uh, by, by something someone said, by uh, something that you've read that was right out of Scripture, you're like, yes, that is exactly what I needed to hear to be warned of danger. And it rewards the faithful. It reveals hidden sins. Take a look back at verse 12. Verse 12 says, um, uh, who can discern his errors? So this is um, the writer talking about himself, talking about us, right? How can you know, how can you know your own errors? You know, how can you see uh, the, the pitfalls and the sins in your own life? And one way is by holding this book up as a mirror, right? And seeing the things that you don't normally see in your life. And that happens. Um, it reveals hidden sins. The Bible, I, I apologize in advance for this illustration, but the Bible is like a black light in a hotel room, right? You don't need to take a black light into a hotel room, right? But if you do, what happens? Don't do it. Don't do it. There's no reason to do it. Um, but what will happen is, you know, you'll reveal all of the, you know, bodily fluids that may have been building up in that hotel room. And that's what the Bible's like. It reveals those hidden sins that a lot of times just going through our normal life we don't see. But they're building up, they're building up. And we need to flip, flip on that light every once in a while um, in order to, to, to see, uh, to have our sin exposed. And ultimately to take care of it. All right, so um, the Bible, love it, right? So it is both, um, it is both, uh, uh, or, or God is revealed in both the Bible, the book of scripture, and the book of nature. Um, the, the Belgian Confession, again, I love how it's summed up here on what we believe about scripture. It's just a really short statement, succinct statement, but it says, um, we believe that this holy scripture contains the will of God completely and that everything one must believe to be saved is sufficiently taught in it. For since the entire manner of service which God requires of us is described in it at great length, no one, even an apostle or an angel from heaven, as Paul says, ought to teach other than what the Holy Scriptures have already taught us. For since it is forbidden to add to the Word of God or to take anything away from it, it is plainly demonstrated that the teaching is perfect and complete in all respects. Therefore, we must consider no human writings, no matter how holy their authors may be, equal to divine writings, nor may we pay custom, nor the majority, nor age, nor the passage of times, or persons, nor councils, decrees, or official decisions above the truth of God, for truth is above everything else. And I love this part. This is how it ends. I love this part. It says, for all human beings are liars by nature, and more vain than vanity itself. Therefore, we reject, we reject with all our hearts everything that does not agree with this infallible rule as we are taught to do by the apostles when they say, test the spirits to see if they are from God, and also do not receive into the house or welcome anyone who comes to you and does not bring this teaching. Amen? Yeah, amen. I love that. And one of the things, too, uh, one of the reasons why we, we want to bring you this resource is because sometimes it's hard um, if you haven't just sat down with this book and... I, you can. It's, 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 it's not hard to do. You can just sit down in this book. You can open it up. Um, you can pray that God would reveal uh, himself to you through this book. But sometimes it's hard. You know, and sometimes it's hard with 
uh, little ones running around and trying to get them engaged. And this resource that we have is to be a help for you to open up the scriptures and for you, to, you yourself to get into the word and for um, your, your loved ones too. And so we, we really want to encourage that. We really want to get you um, hooked up with that. So God has re- revealed himself through two books, the book of nature, general revelation, which gives all um, the knowledge of the existence of God and through the book of scripture, um, his special revelation, which is necessary and sufficient for salvation, um, that, that saving personal knowledge of God, right? Um, and it's also s- sufficient for sanctification. So for you growing um, more and more like God. Um, but how do these two books connect? Um, how can the book of nature and the book of scripture be seen more clearly? That's what we want to do. And for this point, we're going to actually have to leave uh, the Psalms for a second. Uh, actually, we're, we're going to be done there. And you can turn to John 1. And it's not just that God uh, made a world so that people would think, hey, maybe there is a God. And he didn't just make a book for us to read about all the cool things that he's done through history. Um, but he went so much further than that. And in John 1, it tells us that story. It tells us uh, what God did. It says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then skip down to verse 14, and we find out who this word is was who was with God in verse 14 it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth so Jesus this Jesus who we worship this Jesus who we praise is the word is the living word of God come into God's living world do you see that he's a living word come into the living world so he made this, this word of God, he, he, he uh, gave life and breath to this word of God. And God inserted the, the word into the world. Um, he, he didn't just create a world that we could enjoy and believe in his existence. And he didn't just tell some ancient people to write a book about all of the great things that he did. He actually came as the word into the world that he created to save a people that rejected him. To save you and I, right? Um, because you and I have not followed this book. Or so often we've had our heads down um, and we've ignored the beauty that's right outside those doors. The beauty that's supposed to, it's, it's designed to point us towards God. We're not living in the way that we've designed. Um, we have sinned, we have fallen short, and yet he loved us. And <clears throat> he has come into the world to save uh, the, the, the people that he created. Um, and this is what we're about to take communion. This is what um, communion is about, right? It's about the, the living word, um, Jesus, taking on these, these elements, these elements of bread and juice that he has created. Um, the, the, the bread, which represents his physical body, the cup, which um, represents his physical blood, um, this blood that was spilt, this body that was broken in order to repair our relationship with God that was cut off because of our sin. 
right? That's how it all comes together. Um, and if you and your children that are with you, if you've accepted this blood and body of Jesus as a payment for your sin to restore your relationship with God, we would invite you to take these elements and as you're taking them, remember the cross. Um, and if that's not something that you've done, if you haven't um, poured your heart out to God and, um, uh, and asked him to forgive you and accepted uh, what Jesus has done on your behalf, you can do that right now. We would love for you to take communion with us for the first time even this morning. Um, but that, that's what it's about. And just a side note too, um, if, your kids, uh, if your kids do understand um, enough uh, about the gospel to take communion, then they probably understand enough about the gospel to get baptized. Usually, it, um, that's kind of the way that it goes. Uh, you, you would get baptized, and then you would start communion. And so we would love to have them uh, uh, baptized again if, that is something that, uh, if, if, if that's something that you've talked to, to them about. Um, and just as the band comes up, I just want to um, kind of close with this, this song. There's a song that I, I think just beautifully captures what should be our worshipful response to the beauty of God's creation and his plan for redemption through Jesus, through, through this creation. And uh, I, didn't ask, I didn't ask Chad, I didn't request this uh, to sing this, because we don't do that. It's, not, it's just not, we, we let Chad do his own thing. But, you know, uh, I'm not gonna start requesting songs, but um, I love the song, I, lo- I love, the, uh, I love uh, how, how it uh, ties in creation and redemption. Um, but it says, if the stars were made to worship, so will I, right? The heavens declare the glory of God. If the stars are made to worship, so will I. If the mountains bound reverence, so will I. If the oceans roar your greatness, so will I. For if everything exists to lift you high, so will I. Um, if the wind goes where you send it, so will I. If the rocks cry out in silence, so will I. If the sum of all our praises still falls shy, then we'll sing again a hundred billion times. And then this is a place where uh, creation and, and redemption come together, right? It says, God of salvation, you chased down my heart through all of my failure and pride. On a hill you created, the light of the world abandoned to darkness to die. And as you speak, a hundred billion failures disappear where you lost your life uh, so I could find it here. If you left the grave behind, so will I. Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you um, for revealing uh, yourself to us. We thank you uh, that the book of nature um, just screams your name, Lord, that the heavens declare, that the sky proclaims your glory. And we thank you that you've not just left us there, Lord, with enough knowledge of you um, to be condemned, but that you have opened up our eyes. You've enlightened our eyes. Uh, to see uh, what you've done for us through your word. And I just pray this week, Lord, I pray um, that uh, we would uh, just uh, be, be so encouraged to dig into this book, um, that we would use every possible resource um, that we could to dig into your word, because in your word you are revealed. And I pray too, Lord, that um, when we look at... Uh, uh, at, at nature, Lord, we would see more than just sky and trees and um, beauty, Lord, but that we would ultimately see you. We pray in your son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, you can email us at info at 
May the Lord bless your week and guide your steps.